السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أكرم الأولين والآخرين ورحمة الله للعالمين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم أما بعد My dear brothers and sisters may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept your endeavors and efforts and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us all to that which pleases him and gives us all a happy life in this dunya and in the life to come, inshallah. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, today, because it is a day of holiday and we got plenty of children and plenty of parents as well, uh, I would like to speak some uh, very important points on having children and raising them. Particularly, as you all know, my dear brothers, who live in a non-Muslim country uh, and a very tough environment outside, completely different from what the majority of us who were born in Pakistan or in Egypt or in Bangladesh, the way our children learn and the way the challenges facing our children here are completely different from the way we learned and from the challenges that we have faced when we were at their age. And before I speak about what is to be done, because the majority of the talk today is directed at parents actually, most of the people who speak, yeah, for children you have to respect your parents, the rights of your parents, that's true, and nobody can deny this, but not that much talk is given around the rights of children. And children, if we look at them from a human perspective, and then from a religious perspective, irrespective of your religion, or culture. It is something that transcends religion and culture. The desire to have children and the desire to look after these children and raise them. And if we look at the Quran, but again, whatever is in the Quran is actually not different from what is in the wider environment of human society, again, beyond religion and culture. It is inside every single human being an innate desire to have a child. The Quran portrays this in several places, talking about people who are bad and people who are good. In the story of Musa and Fir'aun, what did the wife of Fir'aun say when the casket of Musa landed before the palace of Fir'aun? لا تقتلوه عسى أن ينفعنا أو نتخذه ولدا. Kill him not, for he may be of benefit to us, or we may adopt him as a child. The same statement was repeated by the wife of the Aziz of Egypt. A different time, but the same country and a different people. When Yusuf عليه السلام was brought by her husband, what did he say to her? Even if Musa and Yusuf were not their biological children, 
But because Allah has not blessed them with children, they wanted to adopt them as children. He may be of benefit to us or we may adopt him as a child. And also the best, these two are not Muslim because the wife of Pharaoh is not Muslim at that time and also the wife of the Aziz and the Aziz of Egypt were no Muslims. We will come to the best of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which are the prophets and the messengers. We are told in the Quran about Ibrahim alayhi salam and his desire to have a ch children. Rabbi min salihin Oh Allah grant me of the righteous children. And we are told about Zakaria alayhi salam. Rabbi la tadharni fardan wa anta khayrul warithin. Oh Allah do not leave me a single man meaning without offspring and you are the best of inheritors. And in another part of the Quran Zakaria alayhi salam made beautiful dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qala rabbi inni wahana al-azm minni wa ishta'ala al-ra'su shayban wa lam akum bidua'ika rabbi shaqiyya and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we know the story granted Ibrahim alayhi salam a child and granted Yahya a Zakariya alayhi salam a child without going any further so whether you are a good or a bad Muslim whether you are a Muslim or a non-Muslim you have the desire to have a child and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes Ibadul Rahman at the end of Surah Al-Furqan Ibadul Rahman al-Ladheena yamshuna ala al-ardi hawna What are the characteristics of the true servants of the most merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? One of the characteristics is وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنْ وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا Those who say, oh Allah, grant us from our spouses and from our children, from our offspring, a comfort to our eyes and make us leaders for those who are righteous. This is a human emotion to have a child. And just away from the Quran and the Sunnah, look at any society, Muslim and non-Muslim, any couples who spent a few months or a few years without having children, they go and they go visit every single physician and they go and if they can go to any country and spend any amount of money just to get a child, they don't care about the gender of the child, they don't care about anything, they just want a child. So they don't mind spending all of their savings, they don't mind borrowing money just to have a child. And when you have the child, that is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as the rule is, with every blessing comes responsibility. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted you that child. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you that grant, but at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has assigned you to you the responsibility of looking after the child and giving them the proper upbringing. Yes, the proper upbringing, it has two sides. The worldly secular side, you feed them, you clothe them, you provide them with the basics of life as period means. Let those who have the means, who have the means spend according to their own means. Some people are rich, some people are average, some people are poor. You are required to spend over your family, including your children, as per the capacity or the financial ability that Allah subhanahu has given to you. You give them good secular upbringing, teaching them math, English, language, etc. That's all part of what you do and generally speaking we Muslims and even non-Muslims we are okay 
on this site. So we feed our children, we bring them whatever we can afford, generally speaking, and for every rule on earth, there are always exceptions. What we fall short on, my dear brothers and sisters, is giving them the most important aspect of upbringing, which is their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we calculate it rightly, my dear brothers and sisters, if you want your child to be the comfort of your eye, the apple of your eye, to be grateful to you, to be nice to you, to help you when you need them, nothing can give you what you wish except giving them the proper Islamic upbringing. If you give them the secular upbringing, again, as I say secular, it doesn't mean bad, it means the thing that is not related to religion. So when he is working as an accountant or as a physician, that is secular and that is good. But I'm comparing religious to secular because we do well on the secular side, generally speaking, but what we fail on is the religious side. But actually, their success and your happiness with them and for them and the mutual happiness of you and your children on the day of judgment depends on the religious side more than it depends on the secular side. And I qualify my statement here. No misunderstanding, please. I'm not telling you don't give them proper secular upbringing, don't give them food. No, no, no. That is just can't take them for granted. And everybody does whether I tell you or not. But we have to talk about the side that is neglected the most, which is the religious upbringing. When your child needs to respect you and needs to obey your commandments when he looks after you when you grow old he will not throw you into a care home and go and live with his wife only what will prompt him to do so is the religious upbringing that he has given to him if you give if you if you bring him like a, a Jew like for example a, a, an atheist brings up his child for example he will give you a level of respect to some extent. When he grows old, when he has old children, I will just put, put you in a care home or come and see you every few months or every few weeks or every few years sometimes because that's what is culture all about. That's what the life here is. So you need to implant the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he was making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a child, he didn't say, oh Allah, grant me a child. He said, Rabbi habli min salihin Oh Allah, grant me a righteous child. And the story of the mother of Maryam السلام, when she wanted a child. She wanted a child, why? To serve in Baytul Maqdis, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And she wants a righteous, she wanted a male child, not because she is fussy about the gender, but because the rule at that time, those who will serve at Baytul Maqdis were only males. And that's why when she delivered a female, she said, Rabbi inni wada'tuha untha. Oh Allah, I've given birth to a female. This is not why I want a child, because I want a child to serve Baytul Maqdis and females cannot do that. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives her the answer later. The point is, look at the dua of the righteous in the Quran, and they will always look not for a mere child, but for a righteous child. And let me put it this way. The fact, my dear brother, that you have done everything in your 
ability to raise your children properly does not really guarantee that your children will be as you want or will be righteous. Because at the end of the day, everything is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've got several examples in the Quran of good people having bad children. Nuh alayhi salam and his son who refused to ride on the ark and he was drowned. We got Noah and Lot, their wives, for example. So we got so many examples of good people having bad children. In Surah Al-Kahf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us of Al-Khadr killing a boy because he was so evil and so corrupt and his parents were good. So that means that the fact that you do your best does not really guarantee you having the child that you want. But this also doesn't mean you leave it and it will come by default. Again, these examples that are mentioned in the Quran, an example that we see your life of good parents giving good upbringing to their children, but the children go away or get deviated are exceptions. They are not the rule. And the rule is if you give your child a good upbringing, they will be good by and large. And even if they go away, if they're tempted by, tempted by peer pressure or by uh, bad company or by the, the, the environment around them, eventually when you give them good upbringing by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when they grow up, when they have children of their own, and when they find what you were telling them about to be facts that they have seen with their own eyes, they will come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they will turn over a new leaf. So the beauty of this religion, my dear brothers and sisters, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask you about what you have done. You will not be questioned about the results of your endeavors. And unlike any system in the world, when you go to the exam, they mark you according to your answers. They don't care how much you have studied or not. When you go to any, because this is how humans can judge the result of what you have done. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows your efforts. I have done everything as Allah has told me. But the result did not come as I wished. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will exempt you from the responsibility and will reward you for your efforts, even if the results are not good. And we got the example of these so many prophets and messengers, they have delivered the message beautifully and to the best of their ability and they had very few followers or no followers at all and many of their even children and wives and relatives they didn't believe in them can we say that the prophets did not do their best or did not deliver the message correctly no they did otherwise allah wouldn't have chosen them but as allah says to muhammad your job is to deliver the message your job is to give good upbringing to the child if the result is as you want, alhamdulillah, if it is not as you want, then at least you have an excuse to say before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because guidance is not in our hands, guidance is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us all. Jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين والصلاة والسلام على أكرم الأولين والآخرين ورحمة الله للعالمين ثم أما بعد My dear brothers and sisters, we are talking about raising children particularly in an environment that is really aggressive 
and that is really challenging for our children. We all know, my dear brothers, that pornography is everywhere, drugs is everywhere, peer pressure, everything that we can blame is there. Yes, the internet, yes, pornography, yes, peer pressure, yes, the environment, yes, the lack of many of the Islamic ethics around, all of this we can blame them. But believe me, my dear brothers and sisters, the first one to blame if the child goes wrong is the people at home who are supposed to look after the child. Have we fulfilled our responsibility? Have we given the shukr of the blessing of the child that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted to us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us by the tongue of his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'oolun arra'iyatihi. All of you are caretakers and all of you are responsible for that which you are taking care of. After mentioning the ruler, the Prophet moved straight away to the parents. The man, the husband, is a caretaker in his family and he is responsible and he will be questioned about what he is taking care of. And so the woman, and, and the woman is a caretaker in her husband's house family, husband and children, and she will be responsible, will be questioned about what she is taking care of. Muslim society is made of what? Is made of individuals who come together in marriage, they have children, and they make the Muslim family, which is a unit for the Muslim community, which is a unit for the entire Muslim ummah. So when children when the family are good, then the Muslim community and the Muslim Ummah by and large are good and vice versa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted us this blessing of children and commanded us to look after them. As I said in the talk, generally speaking, we don't fall short on the secular side of things, giving them proper food, proper schooling, giving them the good uh, clothing, all the requirements of this life. What we fall short the most, my dear brothers and sisters, is to give them the good Islamic upbringing. And even when we try to do that, we are very superficial and naive to think that taking them to the mosque for a few hours or for a few, uh, three, four hours on Sunday or on Saturday or six hours even, that will do the job. No, my dear brothers. The first thing that affects your child is your home. And if everything in your home is in order, believe me, most of the things outside home will be in order. And if things at home are not good, then the things outside will not make much difference even if they are good. And we all know that these are not good. So the first thing that you need to look after in your children is not to provide them with the 
basics of life because anyhow you will do that by default but it's to look after their deen and their akhirah and the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the first one to make use of that the best one who will benefit from that is not your child it's actually you because when you plant the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inside them when they see you doing the good things and refraining from the bad things when you are their role model they will copy you and they will implement this on you they will respect you as they see you respecting your parents they will be good children because they have learned the manners and the ethics from the good father if you don't pray five times a day or if you come to the masjid only on friday or maybe some people on only on eight days why do you expect your children to pray five times a day or to pray in the masjid regularly if you use smoking if you is abusing the mother or the mother abusing the father why do you expect the child to be better than you when you grow up why do you expect why you tell the child not to smoke when you yourself is smoking this is form of hypocrisy so children learn by copying and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us and the Prophet tells us that every single child is born according to the pure in nature according to which Allah has created them a child is innocent they learn by copying and absorbing and the environment that they are exposed to the most is that of the family so when a child does something wrong not because he's evil or he wants to do wrong because he learned this or he's copying this from an experience that he has seen in front of him so you should not blame the child or accuse the child or reprimand the child sometimes a little bit of harshness is required but generally speaking you have to look where did he get this from how did he learn this and you work on the roots of the problem not on the reactive behavior of the child so being a role model yourself is the number one factor that you need to take into consideration when you take your child most of the parents i run a school and i know they bring their children to the school and they collect them that is the maximum they do working as taxi drivers dropping the child and collecting them they don't know what the child has learned they don't even bother to ask him when the teacher calls them and tells them your child has done that you need to work on them you need to give them extra time so okay they either give you a death of a look death a look of death or they say yes and they do nothing no by bringing your child to the mosque for a few hours a week you're not going to teach them they learn very few because the time there is very few and even when they come to the mosque you find mashallah in the secular school if they're going to want to walk one day away they have to write a letter and they have to take the permission it must be genuine reason but they attend every single day every single hour in the normal school and when it comes to the mosque every now and then and many parents they don't have any problem for example paying 25 pound per hour to teach children math and science but if you tell them to pay 25 pound a month for the mosque to give them a specific type of teaching then they find it hard and difficult to pay that that's very small thing that we need to do I'm again I repeat and I repeat I repeat I'm not saying don't give your children good secular teaching like teaching them math and science that is necessary 
But most of us, again, don't fall short in that. What we fall short in like this, giving them the good Islamic upbringing, and that starts with whom? Allah will ask you, have you fulfilled your responsibility to your child or not? Have you told them the deen or not? I'll mention only one example. A man went to Umar ibn al-Khattab complaining of his child. And he said, oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, my child is very abusive and disrespectful to me. Amr summoned the man. Your father says so. Why do you do this to your father? He said, oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, I understand that my father has rights over me. But on the other hand, do not I have rights over my father? He said, yes, indeed. What are my rights of my father? Umar said, to choose you a good mother, to choose you a good name, and to teach you the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the man said, by Allah, O commander of the believers, he never did any of this to me. He chose a bad mother for me. He chose even a bad name for me. And he never taught me anything of the deen. Then Umar looked at the father and he said, لَقَدْ عَقَقْتَ وَلَدَكَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَعُقَّكَ وَلَدُكَ You indeed mistreated your child before your child mistreats you. You've been abusive to your child before your child is abusive to you. So the first and the most important thing, my dear brothers, I repeat and repeat, you must be a good role model for your child inside your home and you must invest religion. Invest in religion. Invest in your child rather than investing for your child, rather than putting your money in this business and then spend your money on your child because what is the point if you have the entire money of the wallet and you lose your children, you almost lost everything. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us all. Udullah. Alhamdulillahi wahdah wa salatu wa salamu ala malla nabiyya ba'dah thumma amma ba'd. Quickly, my dear brothers and sisters, we are speaking about the raising of children. We need to understand, because this topic needs at least seven, eight khutbas to give just a, 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 a taste and a touch of what we need to do. Being a role model is the most important and the first number one priority that you should take. Second, inculcating the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inside the heart of the child. If you tell him, go and pray or listen to your parents or do this and don't do that, Allah will give you the jannah if you do that or Allah will punish you if you do this. If he does not love Allah, if he does not believe in Allah, if he does not think probably of Allah, then whatever you tell him about Allah and about the Prophet is of no weight. So you have to inculcate the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Focus on what makes them love Allah and love the Prophet and love the deen. Once they do this, then you have a reference point. You should do this, my darling, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be happy, will be pleased with you when you do this, and you will prosper in this dunya and akhirah. So they believe in Allah, so they will listen. There is a point to make. If they don't believe properly in Allah, if they don't love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you tell them Allah will do this, or Allah will punish, or Allah will help, they're not going to take your point, because the origin, the root is not there, which is the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And usually the love of Allah will not come through screaming, reprimanding, and telling the child. If your child can find only screaming, only scolding, only reprimanding from you, then don't expect them to love the deen. Don't expect them to come and talk to you about their problems. 
Don't expect them to do anything, even if they do it in front of you. As soon as you go away from them, they will show the other face. We got so many horrible statistics about our children in these communities. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our children. But the first thing to do after you serve as a role model for yourself is to inculcate the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the final point I'm going to mention today is to always make dua for your children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will listen to you. One of the dua that are always answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the dua of the parent to his or her child we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept our dua if you don't bother making a few words of dua in every single salah for your child why do you expect allah to guide them you don't even remember them in your salah how many of us my dear brothers and sisters remember our children in dua allah praises the ibadu rahman those who say oh allah grant us from our spouse from our children a comfort for our eyes and make us us and our children leaders for the righteous ibrahim alayhi salam when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him i'll appoint you as a leader for mankind what did he say what about my offspring so this is what he's concerned about the religious well-being of their children and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the story of ishaq and yaqub when they are dying the advice they are giving to the children, who are you going to worship after me? Who is your Lord? What is your method in this dunya? Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to submit to? It's not give the money to this boy or that car to that girl or that house to that boy. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us the methodology that we need to follow. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us all. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us and our children. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant welfare and well-being to the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu and relieve it from all the problems that is happening around all over the globe. Allahumma ghafir lana dhunubana wa israfana fi amrina wa thabbit ala al-haqq aqadamana unsurna ala a'dayna Allahumma jalna mimman da'aka fa'ajabtah واستهداك فهديته واستنصرك فنصرته وتاب إليك فقبلته اللهم طهر قلوبنا من النفاق وأعمالنا من الرياء وألسنتنا من الكذب وأعيننا من الخيانة اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين وفك الكرب عن المكروبين وسد الدين عن المدينين واحشرنا إليك غير فاتنين ولا مفتونين وصل اللهم وسلم على سيدنا محمد أكرم الأولين والآخرين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أقم الصلاة